And we're both preachers, and we've talked about preaching before, um, but there's a lot of questions that can be asked about preaching. <laughs> I mean, there's an endless amount of questions, it seems, that we can ask. What would you do if someone asked you what the work of a preacher really is? is? The work of a preacher. And I've had this question come up, uh, especially with young people. You yeah. know, what is it you really do? Right. You know, we, we see you at services, you know, and, and, and occasionally you show up to some other things. You right. Know? <laughs> uh, or what is it that we do? Well, obviously, it's in the name. We preach. You know, that, that is our, our kind of first role. We, we teach. We preach. Uh, we're concerned about the doctrine, the right. teaching of right. the gospel. And so that work comes out in a lot of different ways. It comes into preparation so that we can preach. It comes into our own personal study, not just for lessons, but our personal study for our growth as a Christian. But also it, it, comes, it comes and it's seen, I guess, in our, in our weekly study habits for getting our lessons together. Right. And, uh, you know, Sunday comes every week, you know, and so we, we have to have lessons together. Right. Uh, so that's certainly a, a big portion of it. And it, it, there might be numerous ways that we're, we're studying. We might be doing word studies so that we can define the words in a certain passage. Maybe we're preparing to teach on a certain thing. And so we, we spend time, and sometimes it's not just for that week. It may be for weeks out. It may be for a month out. Right. Um, so sometimes people might get the idea that we're only studying for that week. Right. We're usually studying for a much longer period of time, you know, for things that are upcoming through this next year. Right. Um, I recently spent um, several hours um, for a couple of weeks, several hours each week, I would spend basically just planning out next year yeah. as far as what I would be preaching, you know, topically books I was gonna cover, things like that. Stuff then also underneath that I would put this is what you need to be studying. This right. is what you, you know here's some resources you know and so I would grab these books and or, so I, I could plan out what I'm gonna have to buy if right. I'm if I need to buy it or what I would need to be searching maybe if I've got it on a computer digital form or something like that. So a lot of the work of preaching is preparation to preach. Yeah. You know the time that we actually stand up and preach is minimal. Yeah. You know and that's where we get the you know, the teaser, you know, well, you don't work but a couple hours a week. Right, you know, that, that's, right. that's what, you know, we, and we've talked about that before. But, right. but, you know, the work of preaching certainly is preaching. And I, and I think that was, a, you know, probably a quote that I stole from Brother Tom Holland's book. Right. You know, the work of preaching is preaching. Yeah. And that's what we do. The work of a preacher is preaching. But there's other things that are involved in that. You know, as, as a preacher... We also take on the role of a minister, a servant. And so we, we serve the congregation. We're serving our Lord, and we do so as we serve the congregation. Yeah. And so we have to remember that we have a place in the local work where we do that work. And so that's involved in people's lives. That's involved in helping people. Sometimes it's in counseling, yeah. uh, biblical counseling. Sometimes it is uh, helping people that are young people that are thinking about getting married, right. young people that are thinking about going off to college, and, and we get to have conversations with them and help encourage them and help them maybe, and their parents work through those transitions and, and stuff like that. And so we're ministering in that way. Uh, we minister to our, our aged and uh, as well, you know, it's not just fatherless and widows, but our aged right. group, you know, because sometimes they're, um, they're unsung heroes of the past, right. and they get kind of left out as the past. 
And so we spend time with them and encourage them. And, and you know, maybe they're not, uh, you know, a lot of their friends are, are not around them anymore. And maybe even some family members not around them and they need that encouragement daily. So that's part of our work as well. Um, you know, we're also evangelists. Yeah. That means we got to evangelize. Right. Um, you know, the, 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 the funny thing that our instructors used to tell us, you know, you can't baptize your computer. Right. Um, some of us might have needed to, but, right. <laughs> um, but we've got to get out of our offices mm -hmm. and get into the community. And so there are any number of ways that we might accomplish that. But when I think of the work of an evangelist, um, you know, there's, there's preparation to do that as well. And whether it's study, whether it's, um, you know, me getting, getting myself ready. And, and, you know, sometimes it's a matter of going out and, and looking for opportunities. They don't always just fall on our lap. And right. certainly if we're waiting on them to walk in the door, that's a rarity as well. Right. So we've got to go out there where the people are. Sometimes it's a matter of walking through Walmart. Yeah. Sometimes it's a matter of going sitting in a coffee shop yeah. and, and, you know, just opening up a Bible. And you'd be amazed at the people that come up and, you know, see what you're doing, you know, and maybe even ask you a question. Um, you know, that's not always the case, but I try to be out mm -hmm. so that people can see me out. And um, there's several of us in, in the congregation that take this type of work seriously from the standpoint of weekly, we, we meet up, we'll meet first and go drink maybe a cup of coffee, and then we'll go and we'll do a particular type of service project. Sometimes it's more evangelistic, sometimes it's more serving and ministering to a certain need, maybe going and just simply visiting one of our widows, maybe picking up one of our widows and going to visit another widow, you know, and so we kind of get them together too, you know. And, um, and, and sometimes it's, it, it's just very simply um, looking for an opportunity in town where there's a need of somebody, a person in the community, not necessarily a member of the church, but a way that we can show the love of Christ out in the community. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, the, the work of a preacher is preaching, but it's also ministering and serving. And I'm reminded of Jesus, you know, came not, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. Right. And so Jesus was a preacher, yeah. you know, so we follow his steps, his example that he gave. But he was compassionate to others. He loved others. He served their needs and he helped every way that he possibly could. But ultimately, for the goal of getting them to heaven. Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like you said, it's a various different amount of ways that you can be a preacher sure. and, and the, what the work is. And yeah. I told someone, I said, you know, the thing I do love about preaching is no day is the same. <laughs> right. There, you know, one day I'm up and I, I'm out, mm -hmm. you know, doing this, and the next day I'm, I'm in a completely different city doing something. And, and that is a, a nice way to never feel like it's getting stale. <laughs> right. uh, but you mentioned getting out into the community, and, and you can do that in a number of ways. And one of the ways I've done it that has been enjoyable is coaching. Yeah. Uh, I love coaching. I coach flag football. I've coached soccer a little bit, though I'm not as good as coaching soccer because I don't understand it. <laughs> but I, I've, I've gone out into the community, and when I'm on the field coaching the boys that I'm coaching and the girls that are on the team too, you know, the parents see me create a camaraderie with their kids, and then it creates this ability to where when something happens on the field and I go to bat for my players, mm -hmm. the parents are sitting there going, okay. And it's a way for me to, like you said, be out in the community. Right. And that's one of those ways where I'm working. 
Okay. I'm a minister in that <laughs> moment just as much as right. I'm a coach because a minister does have that role that he fulfills. And so what is the work of a preacher? You could almost ask, what isn't the work of a preacher? <laughs> right. Because we That's do true. so many different things and <clears throat> there's so much that we're expected to do. We, you know, I've heard it said we're there to kiss the babies and we're there to hug on the people who've lost their loved ones. Yeah. And there's so many different aspects that we are involved in. And if we're not careful, we get this idea that we've talked about before that my only job is preaching. But that's not ministry. Yeah. You know, I'm a preacher. Yes, I will get up and I will give a sermon on right. Sunday mornings. And I will give a Bible class when I'm expected to. But, you know, I'm also the one that when I read on Facebook that someone has gone to the hospital, I get in the truck and go. Yeah. When, I, when I see someone has lost their son, I immediately text them and ask them, what can I do to, to, to give you any type of comfort and any type of, you know, encouragement? Yeah. And that's my role, too, is I do what a Christian would do. Right. I'm just blessed to be able to be paid yeah. to do it. And there's really no difference between a preacher and a Christian in the right. sense of what we're expected to do. Just title, yeah. really. And, and obviously there, there's a much more public role because right. of standing up in, when we deliver a sermon or teach a class. But otherwise, you know, it is this, it's, it's what we're supposed to be doing as Christians to begin with. And I think that's important. And when you think about the, the preaching role and there uh, like you said there's a number of ways that, that we can do that work out in the community um, it doesn't need to be all on the golf course right you know um, though I, I know many times that I've gone golfing with members of the body of Christ and right. that was an outing that we had together and it brought yeah. us together made us a little closer and that was a good way yeah. and that was that was ministry though you know it's it's hard for everybody to understand hey that was now, if you're doing it five days a week, and you're, I think you're probably just going and playing golf right. more than you're <laughs> ministering. Um, but if, if that's a way that you can do occasionally, you know, and be out there. I coached early. I think that yeah. was a good way to be out in the community. Um, you know, I've, I've served where I've led prayers at, at city council meetings and things like that, you know, because you, you find that you have somebody who has a connection to somebody and, you know, and say, hey, you know, if there's ever a way I can help. Right. I've gone to funeral homes in the community and, and I let them know, look, if there are families that don't have a, there are fam there's a lot of families out there, they don't have a regular preacher. And if they, they, you know, their loved one comes into town, you know, or their loved one passes away and they have to come into town and figure something out and they have nobody, I'm on call, you know, to, to be there if I can possibly be there for that family, you know, or at least I'm on a list of, of right. some of the local preachers that, that can at a moment's notice, if I have the time, to be able to go and, you know, preach a funeral for somebody I have no idea, right. you know, I've never met before, right. you know, but we, we, we do that as a, as a service to the community to help. That's another way that we obviously can uh, see an open door there too to help a family that's hurting and whether they are in our community or not, that doesn't really matter to me. It's, it's a way that the church can help, uh, especially in a time of, of grief and bereavement right. and hurt, you know, to help people walk through those things and try to make some sense of what's going on you know, to their family. Yeah, it is a blessing in ministry to be able to say, hey, I went disc golfing today, <laughs> but I went with the members of my congregation. Sure. And the elders would never look at that and go, oh, you went and visited, but you played disc golf. It's, that's a wonderful thing that you went and did. <laughs> but I didn't do it because I thought it was work. Right. I did it in part because it was going to be enjoyable, but it, it's yeah. kind of like two birds with one stone. Hey, I get to go out and do something that I love to right. do. And I get to spend time with people that I love to spend time with that need encouragement, and I need encouragement, and right. we both work together and That's get that right. encouragement. And, you know, 
people get the idea that preachers are the only encouragers, but that's that's simply not true. That's right. yeah. we, we get our people that go to bat for us, and we love yeah. to spend time with them as well. But it is, like you said, I can't go disc golfing every day of the week and say, well, I visited a lot this week. Right. You know, that's, that's like you said, I'm just playing disc golf, or I'm just playing golf at that point. But right. one of the aspects of preaching that is the hardest aspect is preaching. Yeah. And it, I only say that because I cannot tell you how many times I have stared at the pages of the Bible and known what I needed to preach, but there's still that moment of, I don't want to preach on this. Mm. I don't want to talk about this. I know what it's going to do. And I still get up and I preach on it anyway. And, you know, it's tough. But I've even at times told the members, I don't like what I'm about to have to preach. Yeah. But it's the truth. And I don't get to pick and choose what truth is. Right. And this is the truth. But I've been fortunate that I've never had this experience of being told by my elders, hey, you can't talk about that. You can't preach on that. But there have been congregations that tell their preacher, don't preach on giving, don't preach on this. And it's almost always because it's going to hurt the attendance, it's going to hurt the contribution. So what would you do if an eldership tells you, you can't preach on the subjects that are difficult to preach on? Unfortunately, I've been in some of those situations where I've been, um, there was an attempt at least to stifle certain topics right. uh, to be preached. And um, sometimes it was because I began a series talking about certain things, preaching right. on and, uh, and, and, and teaching through a certain thing. And, um, and I've always tried to do, uh, where I've been, I've, I've always tried to do Sunday nights, especially digging deeper in the scriptures, digging deeper uh, is what I've always called it, you know, and it's either topically or, or you know, going through a, a section of right. more difficult, you know, um, but we have a little more time Sunday, Sunday nights. Right. And so I've always kind of thought that's a good time. And that's our, that's our core crowd, if, if you, uh, core right. membership, if you will, that's, right. that's there. And so they're looking for something a little bit deeper, yeah. usually. And so they, I think they've come to appreciate that. Um, and, but I've been in situations where I've had my elders, you know, and, and two-stepped around it in every way. Well, you know, we would never tell you that you could not preach on this particular subject, but we would rather discuss some of these things together. And then, you know, and so, yes, they were essentially getting to the point they didn't want me to preach on that particular topic. Um, and surprisingly, it, it wasn't the most controversial things that you might think of. It was right. actually on the Holy Spirit, right. um, which is kind of sad. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, th there have been other subjects that I've, I've approached and, you know, where I've, I've been asked by my elders also to teach on some difficult things. And so I'm thankful when I have elders that support and stand by me and stand up there and right. even get up before or after or both and say, hey, we've asked Wayne to speak on this yeah. subject. And so here he is, you know, right. here's right. what he studied, you know, we, and we, yeah, right. and we, we, right. st we stand with right. him, you know, yes. Right. And, and so, and I think that's important uh, to have that from your eldership. And when you don't have that from your eldership, that, that almost cuts the legs out from under your work. Right. And, 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 those men shouldn't be elders. Right. Um, you know, they've been tasked with a, a, a work, and that is to protect and to care for and to feed the church. And when they're not doing that by either stifling the truth in some way, you know, or, or trying to, to shut down, you know, your, your teaching on it in, in, in some particular topic, then I, I think that's harmful to the body of Christ. And those men 
need to be down. Yeah. I mean, they need to be through with that position. They're, yeah. they're no more qualified to do that work because number one, they're not honest men. No. They're not honest with God, that's for certain. Right. And, um, and, and so these uh, elders that would, that would ask you not to preach on the hard and difficult things um, are cowards. Yeah, and that's the sad part about this. Every time someone tells you you can't preach on a subject that's biblical, it's because of a coward motivation, yeah. a cowardly idea and motivation yeah. behind it. And I, I mentioned it, but I think we're touching on it a little bit more is, is important. It's going to hurt the giving. Mm -hmm. So wait a minute. Is God going to be able to make this congregation thrive, <laughs> or are the people going to do that? Yeah. And I understand that we, we don't preach that... You know, if, if you're looking for something, you don't have to do anything. God's going to take care of all of it for you. I understand. I can't put my head in the sand and say, God, do it all. Right. But from a biblical standpoint with the church, when the body of Christ was rebuked in the Bible, it brought about one of two things. Either A, the church changed, as in the sense of Corinth. They changed from what right. Paul had sent to them between First and Second Corinthians. Because he even says in 1 Corinthians, you have, a, you have a brother in Christ who's with his mother-in-law. He doesn't need to be with his stepmother. Right. You know, he's with a woman he doesn't need to be with. You need to withdraw from him. Right. And between then and 2 Corinthians, they had be, he had been restored. And he says, wait, bring him back. You know, now you can bring him back into the fold. You know, don't, yeah. don't keep withdrawing from him because he's repented. Right. But he gives them these corrections and they correct it. But then you have other people who they would be told what to do. And we, we're not told that they received it. We're not told that they changed. You know, and I think of the seven churches of Asia where Jesus tells some of them, I spit you out yeah. because you were not pleasant to, to have. And if I don't preach on the hard subjects, that's what's going to happen to the congregation. Right. A balanced diet is not one of just cotton candy and of the things that are pleasant to eat. Right. It's also the vegetables that you don't want to have. And some of these harder subjects, I, I sometimes will get up and say, we're preaching on this subject because I don't think we have an issue with it in the congregation, but I think we need to, you know, continue to be, you know, sprucing up on the topic and, and being up to date. Right. And to have the elders stand up afterwards is so encouraging. And I've yeah. at times asked them, you know, you want this subject to be preached, and I'm going to preach it if you will also get up <laughs> and support it. Yeah. Because I, I want the eldership to let the congregation know this is the truth. Because ultimately, like you said, that's their job. And I don't want a controversy because of something that the elders won't let me have right. to be able to preach. And in truth, if a preacher is being told that, he needs to leave that congregation more than likely yeah. if he can't change what's going on right. because he's never going to be able to preach the whole counsel of God. True. And that congregation is going to be struggling as long as he's there even if he wants to preach the counsel, and he can't. Right. But there are a lot of problems and a lot of questions that come up in ministry. One chief one our vice president has actually been involved in. And he was belittled for this. But he has a policy that says he would not be alone with a woman who is not his wife. Yeah. He won't go out to dinner with them. He won't be in a car alone. He, he is just adamant about it. I am not going to be in a room alone with you if my wife is not present. So what would you do if a woman asks to meet with you in private? I would ask my wife to be there regardless. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but I would let her know. Uh, I, I think that's important. And I think... Um, a smart preacher is going to make that his policy as well. Um, you know, you don't need to be alone. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's the case that, you know, you have a secretary uh, in the building and, you know, maybe you're adjacent in some way near offices 
and you're able to to meet with but keep your door open right you know and and i have a door that also opens up to my secretary's office right. you know and so i said well i'm gonna open up this other you know if you got to meet right now and my wife can't be here secretary is also here so you know we can either call her in or you know she's she's nearby yeah. she's going to keep stepping in you know and just check and make sure we're okay and that's for her benefit as well as mine right. you know i don't want to do anything that would damage you know uh, a lady's reputation yeah and i certainly don't want to ruin my reputation uh, in that way and i don't want any any opportunity to be able to, to call into question you know how something might look or appear to anyone and so i want to be above reproach in all things as as best i can and i think that's that's scriptural that's that's what we want we want to provide all things honest right. you know that's not just financial that's that's you know in our lives right. you know and so um, I think that's important. I, th I think that preachers that, that, that don't practice that are setting themselves up for um, a bad situation. You know, things happen all the time, even in the best of situations. So why would you want to set up an opportunity where things could go sideways? Right. Um, and all it takes is just someone being upset with you or mad with you for it to go sideways, right. you know, and, and then whether or not it's true or not, whatever might be stated that happened, if they throw it out there hard enough, it sticks in some ways and in the community that would, you know, be very quick to jump on. Oh, he, he met with her and he, you know, he did this and he did that, you know, and just begin to assume all things wrong that you did. You're never going to work in that community. You're never going to be trusted. You may have trouble working in, in the brotherhood, period. Right. And so, you know, we, we want to protect the work that we do. And we want to protect the name of Christ in mm -hmm. so doing. We want to protect the church from any kind of crazy scrutiny uh, like that. And that's happened over, um, you know, several decades. You know, we've heard stories of situations where these kind of things have hurt the church in the community and they never really fully cover, recover from it. Right. And I, well, that's the thing. You, you <clears throat> mentioned if we don't have that caution, we're setting ourselves up for failure because all it takes is someone to get upset with us. That's what happened to Joseph Yeah. in Genesis. Yeah. Um, and I think if Joseph had it to do over again, <laughs> he might not have wanted to be alone with Potiphar's wife anymore. And Joseph hadn't done anything mm. wrong even. Right. Potiphar's wife is the one that made advances at Joseph and said, hey, lie with me. You know, commit fornication with me. Yeah. And Joseph says, I'm not going to do this. And so then she cries rape. Yeah. She says, well, this, this Hebrew, this individual, he threw himself onto me and he tried to take advantage of me. Right. And who was going to come to Joseph's defense? Right. It was just her word against his. And in fact, in Tennessee now, uh, where I go to Christian camp every year, near where you, where you live, is currently under remodeling plans because a new rule has been passed that you have to have two counselors in a cabin. Sure. Because if someone says something and it's just me in the cabin, I don't have anybody if all eight of those kids are against me. But if I have you in there with me, you can vouch for me and say, no, mm. that is not what happened. Exactly. And that's the risk we run if we allow women to be in alone with us. And it doesn't matter how, what age they are. Right. I understand some people will say, well, well she's as old enough to be my mother. I understand that. Yeah. But that doesn't matter. You know, what matters is she's not your wife. You need to be cautious. Right. We need to make sure that we do things the way that Jesus would do them. I have a hard time believing that Jesus would have been alone in a room with a woman mm -hmm. and would have been in a situation that was compromising. 
and not have seen anything wrong with that. Right. Now, I know also, and I want to ask this as, a, as kind of a part of this, I know also you can kind of be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And for instance, uh, this has happened probably to, to you as well, but you might have been in the situation before where you're in the auditorium, it's a Sunday, there's a potluck going on, and you're in the auditorium and, and you're talking with a sister, and all of a sudden you look around and it's just you guys. Yeah. How do you how do you make sure to avoid situations like that to where if you get caught in a situation yeah. and it's a serious matter she's right. pouring her heart out to you about a serious situation how can you gently let her down and say we need to get out of a of a private place and go into a public place Yeah I think the the, the key in that particular scenario uh, hopefully they haven't shut the doors on you Right you know that the the, the auditorium is still a public Right place you know and even though they're in a fellowship mill or an adjacent building right. or something like that you know next door um, in another room or maybe still even out in the in the in the foyer area right. or whatever you know but milling around but if they and that that certainly has happened you know and so I start basically taking steps toward <laughs> yeah. the back of the auditorium to try to get out right. of the auditorium you know or at least get toward the back you know closer to where those doors are open hopefully um, and if somebody tries to close the door while we're still in there, realizing that we are having a, a private conversation, I immediately stop the conversation and say, right. hey, if you'll just leave those open, you know, and, and if y'all can just give us a few minutes, you know, if you'll stay out there in the, in the I let others know what's going on here, what's, what's happening. And I've never had a situation where a woman did not appreciate right. that. Um, and, and so that's you know, thankful. Right. <laughs> um, if I, I'm assuming that if, if they would have been upset by me doing that or you know um, allowing a situation to, to, to be compromising in some way or to be perceived as something that it wasn't, then I would, I would, I would think that they probably had something else on their mind to begin with. And right. thankfully, I wasn't caught in that situation. Right. Well, that's just it. <laughs> Uh, I work with another minister, as you know, and sometimes I'll see him and he's talking with someone and I start to notice that the room is kind of thinning out. Yeah. I will walk over and stand next to him mm -hmm. and he's done the same. Yeah. And like I said, it doesn't matter if, if she's old enough to be his grandmother. It's yeah. just we, we have a principle right. set in place that we will not put ourselves in a room alone with a woman. Right. Now here's something that's, that's tough. There are preachers out there who are single men. Yeah. How, do you, how do you counsel if you're a single man and, and your secretary you know, there are some congregations you don't have a secretary. Right. You're a single guy, no secretary. How can you still do the ministry that you need to do and, and be able to counsel a woman? What, how would you handle that? You, you still have to find a way to bring someone else into right. the conversation. Right. Or at least into the area where the conversation is being had yeah. uh, in some way. With, with the door open, standing nearby, at least you know, if not in, you know, direct earshot of the conversation, because it may still need to be a private conversation, mm -hmm. but it still needs to be where publicly I can be seen. Right. And so, and, and that can be done outside of the building. You know, somebody comes by the building where I've been, um, and it's just me, I step outside the building. Right. You know, I'm never going to bring somebody in the building, just me and another woman that way. Right. So I'm going to step outside. Uh, that's that's just my policy. That's right. my practice. Um, and guys that, that don't have a, a wife that's able to be right there, you know, you got to call another member of the yeah. congregation quick, 
you know, say, hey, I've got somebody that needs to meet with me. Can you come and just be with us, you know, nearby? You don't have to sit into the conversation, but I need to have this conversation and I need you close. And we need to be understanding that if someone says, well, I just, I really, I really need to meet with you. Well, I won't meet with you if it's just us. I'm sorry, I've got a policy. Yeah. But it's important. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, we can meet, but is there a member at this congregation you trust that can be a part of this conversation? Yeah. And you have to be firm about it. Yeah. And I think having another woman in there obviously right. helps. In a situation like that, right. bringing another right. woman in is going to be helpful. But there's definitely a lot that goes into preaching, especially with keeping ourselves secured and pure. Sure, absolutely. My Redeemer lives. I know, I know eternal life He gives. I know, I know there's that. My Redeemer lives.